Hey everyone, I'm Patrick Genova. And I'm Lamisha. And on behalf of the New England Youth and Family Team, we wanted to create this podcast designed for parents in our youth and family ministry. This is designed to be a library of recorded sermons, devotionals, and some additional tools for parents. We also will post teen lessons so you can have great conversations with your teen. We love you all so much, and we pray this resource assists you as you take on the tall task of spiritual formation in your children. Psalm 127, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the labor, the builders labor in vain. Children are a gift from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Or in youth, you know, that's relative. I did our last when I was 40. So, um, but uh, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Uh, you know, we have, we've been given an incredible gift and we have all been so blessed uh, to be able to be given children. Uh, and, uh, but it's also an incredible responsibility. And our goal as parents is to honor God with the gifts that he's given us and to guide them to recognize God and return to him. And that is a hard enough deal to do in normal circumstances, but certainly in the midst of a pandemic uh, and, and difficult things. And so that's why, you know, I think one, I really want to encourage us to really remember the gift that we've been given. God has blessed each and every one of us. And some days those blessings feel more like a blessing than other days, uh, but we've all been blessed and we have such an incredible opportunity and responsibility and uh, to, to be able to guide our kids to God. And, and it's great that we don't have to do it alone. And hopefully that you're, hopefully you're encouraged just even looking at uh, the faces and the boxes and the names to know, okay, no, although I feel very alone on a Monday morning at you know, 1130 or whatever, um, that, that there are others that are going through this as well. And, uh, and so welcome. We're so glad that you're here as we celebrate these gifts that we have and look to see uh, how, how we can parent with purpose moving forward. Yes, and um, it, to introduce ourselves, we are Michael, he's Michael, I'm Kristen Lamb, and we are in the Northwest region um, here in Boston, and we are parenting in a pandemic just like you guys. Um, mm. We have four kids, uh, our oldest is a senior in high school. She is uh, 17. We are turning in app college applications. Mm -hmm. We are trying to figure out, you know, what's next. There's, yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe it's gone so fast. Um, and we also have a son who is a freshman in high school. We have a daughter who is in middle school. And then we have a son, our youngest, Xander, is five years old, and he is starting kindergarten. Um, so we are, um, we have kids in every, like, school stage. Uh, we have four kids in four different schools on four different schedules, and uh, it, this wow. is a little crazy. <laughs> a lot crazy. But we love to laugh together and we are grateful to be able to have each other in this time. Um, and most of all, again, we are grateful to be with you guys this morning. As Michael said, uh, you guys are heroes. It's great to be with other peers and heroes. And, um, you know, most of all, we hope that you come away from this time encouraged. I think, you know, 
As Michael said, parenting is hard enough. It's a high calling, no matter what our circumstances are. But these are some crazy circumstances um, that are all brand new to all of us. Um, so many of you are you know, trying to guide school-aged children through hybrid learning or fully remote learning. Um, those of you with young children are spending nearly all of your time <laughs> without as many support and resources that you're used to having. Um, I think of my, my dear friend Melody, who's in a small apartment with her very, very active uh, one and a half year old who, you know, it's, it's not the same. You can't, you can't get your kid out and all those different activities and all those different play dates and getting all that energy out. And these are a lot of new things that we're not used to. And I think it's so easy as a parent. Um, I don't know if you're like me at all, but it's so easy, I think, to focus on the things that we're not getting to or the things that we're not doing as well as we would like to do. Um, and we want to encourage you to keep trying, to keep going. You are doing a great job. The things that you are facing um, are, are big challenges. And we can be grateful that with every morning, God's mercies are made new. Amen. And you are doing an awesome job <laughs> by being here, by continuing to reach out for support and learning and doing what you can to give the best that you can to your kids. And is it going to be perfect? No, <laughs> none of us are. We're never going to get to do everything we want to do. We're never going to respond perfectly under every circumstance, but you are doing a great job really seeking to follow God and to follow his direction and guidance as we make our way through these times as parents. Amen. Amen. And uh, shout out to all the uh, accused parents out there who feel like you're not good enough. I want you to know that, uh, that I bet you're doing a better job than you think. In fact, I'm pretty convinced that you're doing a better job than you think. Uh, and this is, again, it's so good to be with one another during this time. There's a lot of growing that has been shoved into one year, a lot of learning. Uh, I've had to learn new math. Um, my my mm, teacher wow. teaches me how to, how to help her. Um, what in the world? Why did we, what was wrong with the old math? Why do we need new math? Uh, right. <laughs> anyways, um, but, uh, you know, and, and I don't know if any of you, like some of you, you even had a child during this time, like crazy <laughs> and, and trying to figure out who can come into the hospital and who can't. It's, it's intense. Our kids have gone from children to adults. <laughs> like Calvin was here and he, you know, he's, he's doubled in size, uh, uh, in, the, in talking now and walking. And our kids, we put a little chart on the wall when we, when we thought, oh, we might be here for a little while. Uh, we put a little chart on the wall and seen the inches that they've grown except for our senior daughter. And she's a little <laughs> disappointed by that. Uh, but it's, it's pretty amazing. So, and there's a lot more growing to do and we would love to grow together uh, mm -hmm. during this time. So we have a great time uh, in store for us. We're so glad to have uh, Ron and Bridget McCormick here from the Southern cities. Uh, Ron's an elder there. They've served for many years in the Boston church, have raised uh, children and we're grateful to be able to learn uh, from them. Uh, also, we're so grateful to have Sarah Whittier here, who's going to share 
from her expertise uh, and from her life regarding mental health for kids um, and, uh, and some of the things that we can do to partner uh, and, and help to, to guide our kids through that. And uh, really grateful for Bridget Koha, who has been an absolute godsend this year uh, in helping to coordinate uh, so much of the children's ministry. And she'll give us some updates at the end of some, th some resources that can help us that uh, the Boston Church is providing. But why don't we go ahead and we'll start out with a word of prayer and then I'll hand it over to the McCormick's and we'll continue going. Let's pray. Father, we are so, so blessed uh, to, number one, have a relationship with you, Father. We're so grateful uh, to, to have that with you, who the creator of love, uh, the creator of family. And Father, thank you for setting us an example, God, uh, for how to love and how to lead our family. And Father, I pray that, that, uh, we, that we really take, uh, make the most of the blessings and the gifts that you've given us in the children that we have. Father, I pray that you can... Uh, continue to help us and strengthen us. Father, I pray that you uh, continue to help and strengthen the single parents who are here, who are doing this on their own, um, who, are, uh, who, who are incredibly heroic in the way that they're leading their families. Father, I pray for that no matter how many, if there's few or a lot in our homes, that, that this is a challenge. And so, Father, I pray that we walk closely with you. I pray that today we'll open our hearts and open our minds, that we'll be inspired, that we'll be encouraged, that we'll be equipped to take another step forward uh, as we love our kids and point them towards you, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, well, thank you um, to the Lambs and to um, everyone. Great introduction um, uh, for us. And uh, just thank you for everybody being on the call this morning. This is uh, really a great uh, honor and pleasure for Bridget and I to be able to share just a little bit. Um, it's a little, uh, I don't know if daunting is the right word, but you know, hearing that this is the first Devo, so we're sort of like the guinea pigs. And if we do a really bad job, then nobody will come back <laughs> for the next one. So hopefully we'll do good. Um, but I know ultimately it's not about good. Uh, doing good. This is not, um, you know, just some sort of a of a role that we're necessarily going to expect to get a grade on. This is about just being able to come together as parents during a very challenging time, and in some small way, uh, try and uh, impart to one another the the support that uh, that all of us need. We're going to need it not just for for now, but also. Uh, going forward. So, uh, but thank you. So, um, as uh, as uh, the lambs uh, shared, my name is Rama Cormick, and and uh, Bridget is uh, my uh, fantastic wife. We are part of the Southern Cities Ministry. We have uh, two adult sons, whom uh, some of you may know. Uh, our oldest son is Cameron, and our younger son is uh, Delaney Charles, and they both came up through the uh, the uh, preteen ministry, and then. Uh, later on through the teen ministry, many, many, many preteen camps, many, many, many uh, teen camps, uh, a lot of money being spent for that, but it was all definitely worth it. Uh, Bridget and I have been married 29 years, and uh, we've been a part of God's amazing kingdom for over 30 years. Uh, and again, we feel really blessed that we're able to speak briefly with some of the parents today, and and we do hope that this is helpful Um uh, in some way uh, to as many of us as possible. And if it's, if it's not, you can ask for a refund. Um, no, uh, no, no, no problem there. Just submit a slip to Mike and, and, and Kristen and they'll. Okay. 
<laughs> so um, as I was uh, thinking about what to share, um, and Bridget and I had talked about how we could try and encourage our amazing parents, I thought about what an honor it is to even to even be a parent in the first place. And I know that sometimes we as parents, we can get into those places where we think about all the difficult stuff, right? All the challenging stuff that comes our way, all the overwhelming stuff, all the stuff that uh, is tough, uh, the challenges uh, that go along with being a parent. Um, but you know what? God is uh, ever present and gracious. And ultimately, God uh, is all we need, and God is who we need. And I know um, I had moments in, in uh, life as a parent of young ones, uh, along with uh, Bridget, where things were moving really fast. It was not during uh, times that we're going through right now. But when our boys were younger, um, I spent a lot of time trying to get my family secured financially. And I was very, very aggressive with just trying to make sure that we were we were taken care of. And I realized that over time, I wasn't paying as much attention to God as I needed to be. And I got really caught up in my own personal agenda. Instead of taking the time to really ask the question, what does God expect of me? And, and it's an important question to ask because my thinking is not always God's thinking. And I don't know if you can relate, but um, I definitely realize that I don't, I don't always think and I don't think often enough the way God would think about a situation. So it, it really helps when, when we pay attention to how God is trying to guide us in our parenting. And when it comes to parenting, God's word gives us valuable perspective. And an example of that is from uh, Exodus 20, verse 12, where it says, honor your father and mother. You will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. I mean, here's an instance where God talks about honor. And it's a pas passage that actually talks about honor that is due a father and a mother. Now, truth be told, if you have young kids, uh, seven years old, eight years old, infants, um, honor towards mom and dad, uh, the way this scripture kind of lays it out, uh, might be in short supply. I mean, you know, honestly, kids don't, kids don't typically bow down to their parents when they enter a room. I know my boys didn't. Uh, they don't run up to us and ask, hey, mom, can I get you anything from the fridge? Or hi, dad, how can I serve you today? Like my boys never did that, like ever. It never even crossed <laughs> their minds. However, parenting with a purpose is in many ways recognizing that a passage like Exodus 20, verse 12, is what I would call a legacy scripture. It's the honor that's due a parent and that parent is supposed to, that honor is supposed to pass from generation to generation. It's not supposed to stay just with, with, with our current generation. And kids actually have to learn this from their parents so they can pass it on to their kids. And, you know, as parents, we certainly have to model ourselves as being honorable. And, and an example of that is, you know, if you think about the prodigal son from Luke 15, uh, he came back for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, he was really hungry. Uh, two, 
he recognized that he owed his dad honor and he knew that his dad had modeled honor towards him when he was in his dad's household. And so that's two of the reasons why uh, he even came back uh, to his dad in the first place. And so the responsibility to carry out a passage like that is really important. And it can get a little complicated, especially if you're kind of wondering in your parenting, am I doing okay? Uh, how am I doing sort of, you know, sort of questions. Uh, but just understanding that parenting with a purpose is in many ways parenting on purpose. It's just parenting with this God-centered awareness of who you are. And it really helps if you have uh, relationships with uh, other other disciples, other, other uh, uh, people that can point out some of your blind spots because like me, if you're anything like me, I thought that I, uh, I thought I was doing really, really well. I thought I was doing great. Um, you know, I used to get up in the morning on a Saturday and I'd, I'd leave the house and I'd be gone all day. And I'd come back uh, at like nine o'clock at night. And I thought I, you know, I'm just out sort of quote unquote, taking care of business. And I thought I was doing fantastic. I thought I was doing what God wanted me to do in taking care of my family financially. And uh, I did not hit the door with uh, big, you know, hugs and that sort of thing for my family. There, you know, there were a lot of situations, time won't allow to go into all the detail, but there were just a lot of situations where, you know, my wife had to express to me that's this, that's, this isn't working. Uh, for us. She did it respectfully, but this isn't working for us. And we needed some other relationships that we could sit down with to try to get us back on track, more so um, me. And, uh, you know, as far as relationships go, my wife's going to share about some of the importance of those relationships in a few moments. But just in case you need more convincing about the honor uh, that is due, if you read in uh, Proverbs 17, verse 6, it doesn't say the word honor in this version, but it does say Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. And I read that a few days ago, and I thought, man, what an homage to parenthood. I so appreciate a scripture like that because, you know, usually we think of it the other way around. You know, we see babies on the phone call, and they're beautiful and everything, and we give so much attention to the babies, but God's reminding us in Proverbs 17 that parents are the pride of their children. And we may not think of ourselves that way all the time, but God says that we are allowed to. You know, I believe that um, after having these different conversations with some of the parents in, in uh, Southern cities and a few parents in other regions, that parents overall, uh, we don't get, um, maybe we don't get the, 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 the attention and the praise that I think we sort of deserve. And I don't mean that in a prideful sort of like, hey, I'm all that. I just mean having that godly perspective about who we really are. You know, parents are the, uh, they are the original first responders. I mean, go back to the dawn of time. We are like, that's what, that's who you are as a, as a parent. And I really want to applaud the parents that are on this call, even the parents that are not on the call, uh, you're amazing, you're fantastic. And I really want you to know, uh, one, how great it is to, 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 to be a parent, even in the midst of those 
challenges, but getting uh, getting some 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 something that can fill you up when you read about what God's perspective is on parenting. Um, you know, I have to confess that you know since we don't have school age children uh, anymore, because both our boys are in their twenties now, some things can go over my head uh, in what it means in times like these to actually um, be a parent and all of the challenges that parents are going through right now. Um, I try to relate, but I recognize that I, that I don't, that I, that I, that I can't. And, uh, and I, not to say I don't want to, uh, I'm more so just trying to acknowledge that as uh, the lamb shared, this is something that we've, never seen before and maybe we'll never uh, see again. And so I'm saying all that to say, I really, really respect and appreciate every single parent on this call because I feel like you're here because you wanna get it right. You wanna do great. You wanna be uh, a, great, a great parent. And so hopefully some of what we share as we go forward here is, is just an encouragement to you to just, you know, keep fighting the good fight. Mm -hmm. But you know, the truth is our culture has it, has it right in some ways, um, but our culture is a little bit messed up, right? Uh, it doesn't take uh, a lot of research to recognize that there's some things, there's a lot of things that our culture just has really twisted uh, and backward and I don't have time into all of them. Um, but parenting on purpose is God's plan and it's socially and culturally relevant all the time it doesn't it doesn't go in and out of fashion it's just constant which is what i really which is what i really share uh which is what i really appreciate um and also before my wife shares here in a second um proverbs 17 6 mentions parents but it also mentions Children's children are a crown to the aged. That's grandparents. And that's another example of legacy that God doesn't want just the honor to, st to stop with one generation. It passes on from generation to generation to generation. And I have no doubt that there are many, many heroic grandparents in this church who are loving their grandkids and wanting to help raise their grandkids and pass on their faith um, to their grandkids. You know, when I'm in uh, elders meetings, Bridget and I can attest to uh, one of the hottest topics that comes up in elders meetings. Are you ready? Not if, you, not if you're ready. <laughs> one of the hottest topics that comes up, grandkids. You think it's a whole bunch of other things, but yeah. when some of the elders, they pull those pictures out and they start showing them and they beam. They Now we don't have grandkids yet, but they are so proud and so excited about the opportunity to just brag on their grandkids. They show pictures, they talk about them and, and just, you know, oh, and my, you know, uh, I think, I think uh, Mark, uh, Mark and Beth's daughter is uh, is expecting again. So uh, I think I could say that because they shared it with us. And so now it's public. If you didn't know, now you do. Uh, but they are so excited about being, they're already grandparents, but they're they're so excited about becoming grandparents again. 
And it's, it's that passage that I read earlier from Proverbs 17 that also extends that honor, not just to the parents, but also to the grandparents. Because when you talk about a crown, a crown talks about victory. And victory is always something that is encouraging. The culture might uh, marginalize parenting, kind of twist it uh, into something different than what it is. But uh, God, in his word, uh, does not want that to happen. And uh, I'm going to let my wife uh, share a few things as well. Amen. Thank you so much again for allowing us to share. Um, when I think about parenting with a purpose, the ultimate relationship that I think about is, is uh, Jesus and his father. And a scripture that I'd like to share is in Mark 135-36. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companion went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And um, the reason why I shared that is because, you know, Jesus needed to be connected with his father. We, um, we are so busy as, as mothers. Um, I, I know we have older children, but I remember when we were um, young, um, younger, and uh, we had our boys growing up. There were some challenging times. There were times where I felt like I needed to, I, I could rely on myself and then realize that I can't do this. I can't do this without God. I needed to get up. Um, just as Jesus had a busy day, as, as you see, his disciples came and said, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for us as parents. We need, you know, we need to be connected mm -hmm. with God. And I can see just how much Jesus honored his father he wanted to be connected with uh with his father and so just in order for him to get that peace i felt like when i was relying on myself there was no peace and after after i realized that i gotta get get my act together i needed to spend time with jesus and he brought about peace um another example of uh relationships um, i think of in in matthew 26 um, verse 36 to 38 says, when Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed. The point, to, to point of sorrow, my soul is overwhelmed. Stay here and keep watch with me. He was... Jesus was overwhelmed. He had some challenging times in his life. And uh, at the time he was getting ready to go to the cross, we are overwhelmed as parents. We're overwhelmed with so much, um, having to take care of the house. Um, some of our children are hybrid. Um, we work full time. There's a lot going on. And uh, we need to have our friends with us to support us. Um, Jesus needed his friends. He took Peter, James, and John during that time where he was overwhelmed. He was getting ready to go to the cross. We feel like what we're going through is, is a big cross. And one of the things that I definitely appreciate is uh, we, I, I'm part of a prayer time 
on Saturday mornings. And I'm so encouraged by um, the sisters as part of that group. We get together every Saturday from seven to eight and we support each other. We pray for our children. We pray for whatever that's in our heart, the sick and, and, and people that we love. We, we need each other. And those are the times that I feel like just as Jesus needed his friends, we need our friends. And I just want to encourage you, um, if you're not part of a prayer group, definitely get involved with, you know, with some sisters, with brothers to brothers get together. I mean, couples get together. Yep. Uh, we all need, um, need each other during this time. Jesus needed it. So I just want to say we need it as well. Thank you for allowing me to share. Um, so I just want to throw in a, a couple of other things and then I'm going to uh, turn it over to our next speaker. But uh, I did want to end uh, our part of this by sharing that, you know, we'd asked our uh, our youngest son, Delaney Charles, you know, what do you remember um, about uh, growing up and being raised uh, by us? And that could be kind of a um, challenging question to ask your kid because he may come out with some stuff that uh, maybe he's been <laughs> not too happy about. But uh, he came. He came back, and and he said uh, something that was encouraging. He said, "You know, one of the things that I that I appreciate about how you guys raised us." Um, he focused in on school, not school. He focused in on um, Christmas, and he said that uh, I remember that every Christmas we would never open any gifts until we'd had a devotional. And at prayer time, and we always did that. That was just kind of our, you know, tradition of what we did. And as anxious as they were to, you know, tear open presents and, you know, kind of see what they got, we always forced them uh, to, okay, let's pray together first, each of us. Um, let's have a devotional just to get our focus right, because we never wanted them to have the, the idea that this was just about getting stuff, that they were only going to break up the toys anyway uh, within 20 minutes. But my point is that we wanted something a little bit deeper for them. And so I appreciate him saying that. Uh, it's definitely helpful uh, to hear. And something like that might not necessarily resonate in every household and that's okay. I guess my, my, my takeaway from, from what he shared is that parents, families uh, really, part of parenting on purpose I would encourage you find the things that uh, your family can really hold on to. Uh, do those things that you know your kids will be impacted by. Um, when my boys were, were young, I'd made a decision during their school age that I would make, um, I'd make their, their breakfast and their lunch for school every day. And I can't tell you how many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches I made. It must have been millions. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I did it. I'm not, a, I'm not much of a morning person, but I did it. And part of why I did it was because I wanted, now my son didn't share this part, but I wanted to do something that maybe they would look back on one day and say, wow, you made millions of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for us faithfully every single morning and breakfast. And that was just a commitment that I wanted to make, you know, to them. He shared the Christmas part, which was fine. But again, my point is parenting with a purpose, I'll kind of end here, is it's understanding that you as a parent 
are worthy of honor and you're worthy of a crown. And so whether you are a single mom, a single dad, a grandparent, or parenting in a two-parent two home, uh, hopefully parenting with a purpose and understanding it from God's perspective, it gives you the confidence that you need in parenting in these difficult times that God holds you in the highest regard. So amen, 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 and thanks for letting us share. All right, good morning. Um, my name is Sarah Whittier, and I'm gonna share with you hopefully um, some practical tips on parenting in this time um, and um, some different mental health topics. I have a presentation, so I'm just gonna... Um, I'm trying to make you co-host right now. <laughs> just told me I can't share my screen. Oh, hold um, on, I, let me figure it out real quick. I'm so sorry, everybody. Oh, that's okay. Um, so just a little bit about me while we're figuring this out. Um, so I'm a part of the Northeast region. I live up here with my husband. We've been married uh, just a little over four years. And we have our 18-month-old son, Calvin, who some of you got to see earlier. And okay, there we go. If you didn't get to see him, there he is. There we go. And um, we are expecting a baby girl in the spring. So this has definitely been a um, unique time for us, having our son and me being pregnant and figuring all of that out. Um, so I have worked in public schools for 10 years. For six years, I was teaching in a therapeutic classroom. I realized pretty quickly that I loved the therapeutic side of things and didn't love the teaching side of things. So went back and got my master's in social work and now um, I'm in my fourth year as a middle school social worker in Lexington. Um, and I am excited to share with you guys um, just some things that even we've been learning um, in supporting kids during this time. Uh, so the first thing I wanted to just remember is that this isn't just about the pandemic. Um, that does cause a lot of stress, but we're living in a time where there are multiple stressors all around us. There's the pandemic, there's the political climate that we live in, the racial justice climate that we're living in. Um, we've all lost a lot of routine and control and um, no matter where you are or what you're going through in this time, you are probably grieving some form of your life. And that includes our, our kids are living in that reality as well. And so we like to, I, it's important to think about this as a trauma for us all. However, we also need to remember that children are incredibly resilient. And um, while this is really challenging, most are going to manage and adapt far better than we even expect. I, I think about going back into schools and what we thought that was gonna look like. And, and kids are just happy to be back and it's hard, but they're resilient and they're figuring it out and they're gonna keep figuring it out. Um, so I love this idea of parenting with a purpose because I think that it's important to think about what we can do in our homes to really help. Um, there are little things that we can do. I'm going to go pretty fast and it might feel a little overwhelming because it's going to be a lot of information at once. But I just wanted to add a note just to say like this is not to add any more pressure to what you're doing. Um, do not feel like you have to do all of these things. but just 
a few that you think might be helpful in that work for your family, like what Ron was talking about, just do what works for you. You know your family, you know your situation way better than I ever will. Um, and then many of these tips are going to be focused towards children, but can be adapted to help us in coping with everything that's going on and supporting our own emotional and mental health during this time. So the most important one um, in, from my perspective and also the easiest one to disregard is taking care of ourselves and is self-care. So a lot of times we talk to families about that you can't help a dysregulated child if you're dysregulated yourself. You know, I know there's been this, like you can't pour from an empty cup. There's a lot of analogies out there. Um, but, and it's important to remember that self-care is not just bubble baths and pedicures, <laughs> but it is figuring out what refills your tank and what helps you recharge. Um, and I, I think that making sure, um, I loved what they were talking about, about getting your time with God. I know that's something um, Nathan and I are both home and we've had to figure out what that, that looks different than when we were both working outside of the house. And um, so you, we have had to just adapt and, um, and have a plan. I think that's the really important part. It doesn't have to take a long time. Like you can see on here, there's things that you can do in five minutes that can make a, a big impact. Um, and then also normalizing asking for help and getting professional help if you notice some of the warning signs that I'm gonna talk about later. Um, I know there's still a lot of stigma on mental health, but that one of the things that we can do to help our children is to remember um, that we can model what it looks like to ask for help. And um, we always use the analogy, if you broke your leg, you wouldn't avoid going to the doctor. It's the same with our mental health. Um, so, uh, one of the first things I want to talk about is just creating a routine. This can be really helpful, um, with all of the changes that kids are facing in their normal routine, just figuring out what a, a routine for your family will look like. And so some things that might be helpful to include are family time, um, time outside, screen-free time. So there's a lot of research coming out about Zoom fatigue and how real that is and how our brains actually have to work harder when we're on Zoom all day and that goes for um, our kids too. And then movement breaks, especially during remote learning. I know Bridget has a great resource that she's gonna share out about remote learning. I won't talk too much specifically about that. Um, but if you do have a child who's doing remote learning, I know some of my students that I do counseling with, we talk about their routine for the day and they are sitting for hours at a time without leaving their chair. And that's just not good for us physically or mentally. Um, Uh, I love this. You can create a calming corner in your house. You can do it with things that you already have in your house. Um, you don't have to go out and buy things. These were just a few pictures I found online. If you Google calming corner, there's lots of things out there. So it's just a space where they can go when they're frustrated or sad um, and do something that they enjoy. Oh, I skipped one. Okay. <laughs> um, emotional support. So give control where you can. One way that I like to tell families to do this is to give forced choices. So giving control is not giving your child free reign of your home, but saying, do you want eggs or oatmeal for breakfast? And then that's giving them a choice. Do you wanna wear this shirt or this shirt today? Things like that. Um, do you wanna do your schoolwork now or at this other time? That can really give, we've all lost a lot of control in our life and a lot of say. 
in the things that we do. And so giving back control can really help um, kids. So encouraging hobbies, this is also a form of um, giving back control because they're, you're allowing them to have a say in how they spend their free time. Um, model having grace with yourself and those around you. This can be really tough, but it is really important. Um, I think especially as we're home, as more around each other, the more that we can do that, the more helpful that's gonna be. Um, validate what your child is feeling. I could probably do a whole presentation on validating your child's feelings, but um, we want to avoid comparative suffering, which is we don't have it as bad as somebody else, which might be true, but that's not actually helping anybody feel better. Mm -hmm. It's not helping the person who has it worse than us, and it's not helping us feel better. Um, so really validating. I, I know it's really hard when we can't see our friends. I know it's frustrating that we can't go do this activity. I'm frustrated too, modeling that for them um, in appropriate ways that they can show and express their frustration. Um, and then getting creative and encouraging friendships. That's a huge one. I think for our own mental health is figuring out um, times that we can be around people who refill our tank, who help us um, to feel connected to each other and to God, whether that's on Zoom or while it's 70 degrees outside, getting outside, um, whatever you feel safe and comfortable with. Um, and then thrills and chills is really, um, Sensory input. So if you Google your child's age and um, sensory activities, you can find more specific. It's hard because there's a huge range. And I know this is a lot of different activities, but um, anything that involves jumping, pushing, pulling, bouncing, catching, rolling, all of those things are going to be really important, especially as we move into the winter months and we're inside more. That's going to be really helpful. Um, we take our 18 month old and we wrap them up in a blanket burrito. <laughs> which is just like wrapping him tightly in a blanket or giving him a tight hug. Like those are really important. I think for his really helpful, um, any swinging, uh, a calming jar, which is you can look up online, you shake it and there's glitter and then it, it, they breathe while it settles out. Square breathing is just a form of um, slowing down our breathing and grounding ourselves. Um, small handheld fidgets, you can find a million on Amazon or at Target in the dollar section, or you can probably find things already at your home. Putty and Play-Doh, you'd be shocked how many of my middle schoolers love, still love to use putty and Play-Doh and to have that um, sensory experience in their hands. Finger painting and sand if you have younger kids. Um, I have some mindful app, mindfulness apps that I'm gonna tell at the end. Um, five, four, three, two, one is a great grounding activity if they just need something quick. It's you, you um, find five things you can see, you just say them out loud. Four things you can feel or touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. And if you look that up online, you can find tons of resources on that as well. And then Cosmic Yoga, they have on YouTube, um, is just a great way to get some sensory input and get moving as well. And then um, just some things to look for. And I phrase it as, do I need to talk to somebody? Because we can think about these things for ourselves as well as for our children um, and some things to monitor in both our children and ourselves. So any major shifts in behavior. So we like to think about sleep, whether that's sleeping less or sleeping more, appetite, losing interest in um, previous hobbies, also like somatic complaints, like complaining of often of stomach aches or headaches. Those might be something you wanna check in with your pediatrician about. 
um, really, you know your child best and, and you know their personality best. So you're going to be the one who can look for these major shifts in, in behavior, as well as in ourselves. Are those things changing for ourselves? And do we need to consider talking to somebody um, for ourselves? So, and then we look at the impact of the behaviors and the number and the duration of the behavior changes. So if your child is not sleeping for a few nights, we usually wouldn't be too concerned about that or if they're sleeping or appetite changes for a short period of time. Um, we usually look at around two weeks. So if you're seeing this, these things significantly change for two weeks, then it might be good to um, get a professional's opinion. And then obviously if they're making comments around harming themselves or others, you would want to talk to somebody um, more immediately. And then the only one I would add for adults is to really make, be looking at um, any long-term pervasive irritability or anger that you may be feeling, if that's unusual for you, that could be a sign that it might be time to talk to somebody. Um, so how to get support. If you're gonna go through your insurance company, if you have insurance, then um, they're a great place to start. And they will know um, local mental health resources to your area, because I know we're all over the state. Um, I will say many mental health resources right now have very long wait lists. That was before. March and is continuing now. I always encourage parents to put yourself on the wait list. And if in six months it comes up and you don't need that support anymore, great. You can say, we'll pass, but at least your name is on the list and you're moving through the wait list. Um, and then your pediatrician is a great resource as well. If your town, I know the town that I work in has a youth and family services department. They have tons of resources and help. And then um, your school counseling department might also know as well, some um, resources in your area. And then these are just a few resources um, that are kind of more general to Massachusetts. So handholdmass.org um, or ma.org is one that I actually just found about this past week. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. There are tons and tons of resources on there um, about living in this time and parenting in this time and, and lots of help there. Um, Bright is a, an organization in Brookline and they do parent support groups. So if you, I, um, I think it's fairly new, but if you Google Bright Zoom parent support groups, then there's a flyer that will come up and it will give you the link in the times. So mindfulness apps um, that I have had great experience with, with my students are Inner Explorer, Calm, Stop, Think, Breathe, and Headspace. And then that I just put my email, I'm happy to answer any questions people may have. I obviously might not have all the answers, but uh, happy to be a resource as needed for people. So I hope this was helpful. I hope it wasn't too overwhelming and that there were just a few things that you could pull out to maybe try with your family and um, your kids. Thank you. This has been an episode of the New England Youth and Family Parents Podcast. Please subscribe so you can stay up to date with the latest episodes.